Welcome to North Point Community Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the young adults pastor here. Um, happy September long weekend. It doesn't look like September out there. It looks very much like November, so I'm very sorry about that. I'll put in a good prayer for God. Uh, you know, maybe he can... Maybe you can change that a little bit. But um, welcome to everybody that's here in person, online, Vegreville, Chauvin. We're so grateful that you're with us today. Um, you guys are the dedicated people, I have to say. You know, you, you, could, you could, you know, be at your cabin or at the lake or something like that, but you, you're here. You're here. So from what I've read in the Bible is that if you're here on Sunday, September long weekend, if Jesus comes back, you get to go first. <laughs> I might have to read my Bible a little bit more, but... Uh, we are wrapping up our summer sermon series in the letter of Philippians. 11 weeks. Can you believe it? 11 weeks. Uh, we've been walking through Paul's words in this letter. We've learned about joy, humility, the importance of a Christ-centered life. We've explored ideas of what it means to be a citizen of heaven, imitating Christ and pressing towards the goal that God has set before us. There's such a richness in walking through scripture like we've been doing. Uh, we believe that every word of scripture, of these scriptures that we read, are, are God-breathed and necessary for learning God's character, his story, and his purpose for our lives. When we take the time to explore an entire passage or uh, an, an entire book or a letter as we've done, we allow the text to breathe and read as it was intended. We see the verses truly understood in their context, and we have the opportunity to take a glimpse into the lives and the situations that these words were originally written to. It's only when we grasp what God was conveying to these original readers and listeners that we can then grasp what God is saying to us today. And you can do this on your own time too, okay? Just a little encouragement for you. You don't have to be a pastor or, or wait for us to do this in a sermon series at church. Uh, you can read from verse one to you know, the last verse of a book on your own time as well. Context is so important. Learning the whole scope of a book or a letter and all of scripture really is so important for us. It's, it's not just enough to kind of cherry pick the verses that sound good to us and that make us feel good. We, we, need to, we need to read all of scripture. We need to know all of what God is saying to us. We need to get to know what God is saying and, and this is really the best way to do it. Verse by verse, allowing ourselves to enter the room. So this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church, Paul actually helped to plant this church on his second missionary journey. Paul loves these people. He loves these people. And he's writing to encourage them in the midst of some challenges that they're facing. In fact, Paul is facing his own challenges. He's in jail. I don't, I don't know if anybody's been, been to jail before. I, I, I haven't, but I, I can imagine that's a challenge. Um, the cool thing, though, is that Paul didn't allow his situation to impede his love for Christ nor his purpose. Paul's peace and contentment was not dictated by the situation that he found himself in. Instead, he found his contentment somewhere else. And so today, uh, let's read from Philippians 4. We're gonna read verses 11 to 14, and then we're gonna read verse 19 as well. So it's gonna be uh, on the Sky Bible behind me here, um, and, it, and it would be on the screen uh, online as well. But this is what Paul says. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. In verse 19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you were willing to do just about anything to get it? Anybody? Just, you want it, there was something, maybe, maybe it was a person, maybe it was a, a thing, maybe it was a job. You're willing to do just about anything to get it. Anybody? Okay, two people, great. Um, does anybody remember Rescue Heroes? Anybody, yes, yes, there's a photo on the screen. This was my pride and joy as a child. Um, this was a cartoon in the late 90s and early 2000s about this elite rescue force. The tagline was, does anybody know it? Nobody gets left behind. Some people know it. That's good. They were all these buff, super jacked rescue uh, first responders with really cheesy names. In fact, I, I think Pastor Mike Vole actually worked out with these guys, but that's, you know, I don't know. The, the firefighter, Billy Blazes. The police officer, Jake Justice. There was this mountain climber rescue guy, Rocky Canyon. Like really, really creative, okay? But you can look them up, they're awesome. If this sounds like a step up on Paw Patrol, it's because it is, okay? So parents, if you're tired of Paw Patrol, fire this puppy up and you're welcome, okay? Um, with any kids TV show, there's always a toy line that goes along with it, right? Companies are always trying to make more money. And so for a kid that was already obsessed with Batman and Superman and other superheroes, this was a no-brainer for me. So my parents got me the Jake Justice action figure, came with this motorcycle, had this spring-loaded battering ram on it. Like, it was, it was the coolest thing. It was the coolest thing. As with most toys, as a kid, you get tired of them after a while, and you're looking for something new. And so one day I come to my mom, and I say, sweet mother, I have been such a good boy lately, haven't I? Don't you think I might be due for a new rescue hero? To which my mom responds, oh, but you already have a rescue hero. You don't need another one. This was not the response I was looking for. This was not what I was hoping would happen. So instead of walking away sad and dejected, I went right to work planning on how I was gonna get that new rescue hero. Kind of felt like Ralphie from A Christmas Story, you know, Red Rider BB gun, trying to do anyways. Just, nobody knows that, it's not Christmas yet, that's what it is, okay. So at this point in time, my younger brother Andrew is barely, I don't think he's even a year old yet at this point. And so out of the goodness of my heart, I pull up to his crib, literally, and, and said, Andrew, here you go. This is your very own rescue hero. His name is Jake Justice. He's awesome. Here's the motorcycle, spring-loaded battering ram. You don't ever have to give him back. Enjoy him all you want. It's yours. Once that tidy piece of business was taken care of, I went back to my mom and said, hey, Ma, how about a new rescue hero? My mom, of course, says, Aaron, we just went over this. You already have a rescue hero. I said, oh, Mom, oh, Mom, I don't have a rescue hero. Andrew has a rescue hero, but I don't have any. So I'm sure you can imagine the grief that I caused my mom as a child with that sort of mischievous mind. 
But isn't this so often how we function? Whether we're three or 33 or 103, we all have these ideas of what will make us happy, what will make us content. If I can just get that next rescue hero, I'll be content. If I can just get that job, well, then I'll be content. If I can just get that car or if I can just live that lifestyle, then I'll be content. But at the end of the day, I think we know deep down, it's not the car, it's not the lifestyle, it's not the rescue hero. It's not the acceptance from others that we're really looking for. It's the feeling of contentment that we'll get as a result of getting that thing. Paul says, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. Really, Paul? Really? How dare you say such a bold, outrageous thing like that? Okay, sure, sure, you're content with whatever. So you're saying if you don't have your dream house, if you don't have your dream car, dream job, if you don't have enough Instagram followers, you're just fine? Let's take a look at that word content. Um, content. Contentment is one of those words that we're all familiar with, I think, but it's still a little bit ambiguous. For some of us, you know, we hear that word contentment and it's like, so, you know, I have to be, ha you know, if I'm content, I'm just happy all the time. Maybe others of you, you hear that word and it's more like, ah, I'm like a six out of 10. You know, I'm content. It's fine. Uh, you know, not sad. Also not super stoked. You know, we're just fine. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, content, satisfied, nothing crazy, just good. If you Google the word content, you'll see definitions that say uh, a state of peaceful happiness or a state of satisfaction. What Paul does here is really, really interesting. Uh, in the original Greek language that this letter was written in, the word that Paul uses for content, most people would have understood to mean entirely self-sufficient. Somebody say entirely self-sufficient. Okay, thank you. Just trying to keep you engaged, that's all. As we will see, Paul is gonna take this word that many people would have understood to mean one thing and he's gonna reframe it. Paul was so good at this. He was a master at doing this, taking everyday language and ideas and then refocusing them to point people to Jesus. How often though are we much like these people to whom Paul was writing, obsessed with finding happiness and satisfaction and placing it on ourselves to figure it out? entirely self-sufficient, right? Isn't that what we see valued all the time? Oh, you know, look at this person. They made all this money on their own. It's so amazing. Oh, look at this person. You know, they, they built this business all by themselves. It's a lie. They had other people helping them out too. But we marvel at these stories that paint a picture of people as these self-made success stories. People, they wanna be influencers or they wanna blow up on TikTok. We wanna be seen as put together and, and having something to offer because maybe if other people think that I have something to offer and I'm worth something, then maybe I'll feel it for myself too. For many of us, our natural tendency is often to do things on our own and be self-sufficient. Has anyone ever hurt themselves before? Okay, a few people. I have not hurt myself many times, and, and you will see here in a second. Uh, my wife and I, we recently bought a new place, and we're renovating it. So we're kind of updating the kitchen, we're putting in some new floors. And this past week, my friend Luke came over uh, to help with the flooring. And the flooring pieces, they have these tongue and grooves. Anybody, you know, tongue and groove? Somebody, somebody just got excited about when I just said tongue and groove. Um, you know, they help to align the pieces, uh, but you've gotta use a mallet to kind of knock them in. So I wasn't paying attention, and as I'm trying to knock this one piece in, I mashed my finger with the back of this metal mallet. Um, there was blood, 
And, uh, you know, I, I was obviously alarmed and in pain. And my friend Luke is like, dude, just go sit down. Just, you know, I'll finish up. You know, it was the last board of the day, too. We were going to call it it. We're just like, let's do one more. Last board of the day. Um, so I go over, sit at the table, and I pass out. Not just once, I pass out twice. And um, my friend Luke was really good about it. And, you know, he, he you know, consoled me and he's like, you know, he's laughing at me the whole time because he's like, dude, you are such a wimp. Like, you are so weak. Um, but all I, you know, he's, he, he was good about it. But all I could think about was how embarrassed I was in that moment. You know, because normally when, if we hurt ourselves and somebody comes over and is like, hey, I see you've hurt yourself. Can I help you? And you're like, no, I'm fine. Leave me alone. And it's like, no. You need help, like just let me help you. But we're embarrassed to receive help, even when we really need it. Men in the room, when's the last time you've asked for directions? Never, okay? Because you think it's unbecoming to, to get somewhere, so you'd rather get lost than ask a simple question. You'll find me aimlessly walking the grocery store for 30 minutes, trying to find the one thing that I'm trying to find before I ask for help. So Paul flips this word, content, meaning that people at the time would have understood as entirely self-sufficient. He flips this word. Instead of finding contentment by ourselves through our own actions, Paul reframes the word and says the secret of contentment is in Christ alone. Paul is not entirely self-sufficient. Rather, he has learned to be entirely Christ-sufficient. Somebody said amen. You may be thinking, well, there's no hope for me because I'm nowhere close to that. Friend, there is hope for you. Today, I want to offer up three takeaways, one, two, three, uh, one, two, three takeaways to understand the secret of contentment that are found in the passage that we just read. So if you're taking notes, and our young adults have told me, Aaron, do points, do points. We can't follow along unless you do points. Okay, so point number one, the secret of contentment is learned. The secret of contentment is learned. Paul is not all that different from the people he's speaking to. In fact, he's not all that different from us either. He's a human being who's made mistakes, but his life has been transformed by the living Jesus, and he was impassioned to share that transformative power with those around him. Finding full satisfaction and contentment in Christ was something Paul had to wrestle with. He had to struggle with it. He had to figure it out over time. It, it wasn't easy. It wasn't something he was just innately born with. This was not a spiritual gift that God was like, here you go, you're gonna be content at all times. Uh, it was not something he picked up overnight. There was trial and error. There was falling down and getting back up. He went through a process. This, this kind of learning, it requires regular trust and continual surrender, not just trust when it's convenient or, or occasional surrender. Full surrender of our situations, surrender of our loved ones, surrender of our emotions and feelings and longings. And to be clear, contentment does not mean that you become passive either. It doesn't mean that now you're, you know, well, to be content, you're not allowed to be sad, or you're not allowed to grieve, or you're not allowed to be disappointed. It means realizing you can't make everything happen the way that you think it should happen. It, it means learning to give up ultimate control to God and being okay with that. Being okay with Jesus sitting in the driver's seat and not always knowing exactly where he's taking you. Jesus, take the wheel, okay? Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. Um, so what does this do for me, though? Like, if, if I just learn to be content and I, and I learn to find my contentment in Jesus, what does this do for me? Well, it relieves you of pressure that you were never meant to put on yourself. 
Jesus designed us in such a way that when we learn to trust that God is in control and we allow him to lead our life and our emotions and our contentment, we actually receive the relief that we were looking for all along because now we're operating in our design. It's very important. There's a pastor in BC, his name is Jason Ballard, uh, and and I remember hearing him talk about a daily prayer practice that he, he engages in. Every morning he wakes up and he starts with a prayer that says, God, thank you that while I was asleep, the earth has still been turning. Thank you that while I've been asleep, you've been thinking of me and protecting me. Thank you that while I've been asleep, my family is alive, the nations of the earth haven't crumbled and on and on and on and on. And, and it's this practice of gratitude that he engages in every morning. It, it's this practice that he uses to remind himself that at the end of the day, and at the beginning of the day, God is in control. And he can keep everything going on his own. It's not all on us. We don't need to place all this undue pressure on ourselves. We need to place our, our, our pressures and, and give them to God. But when, when we're in the midst of a problem, all, all of a sudden things kind of change, Right? When, the, when we're in the midst of a problem, our first thought is always, or tends to be, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Why are you not here? Do you not see this problem that I'm in? Do you not see this situation that is really not that great? Where are you in this? Allow me to remind you today that tough times don't equal God's absence. The character of God never changes. And when he says in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you can take that to the bank. Jesus promised his followers tough times. Like, so often we like to think of Jesus as like the, the loving, really kind and gracious, and he is all that. But at the same time, Jesus was real, and he's like, look guys, like you're gonna encounter tough times. In John 16, 33, Jesus, Jesus says this to his followers. He's like, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have troubles. You will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Take heart, whatever you have, whatever situation, whether you have nothing or everything, whether you have much to eat or little, you can be content because Christ has overcome the world. So when we meditate on these kind of scriptures and and ideas, when we allow ourselves to to be uh, immersed in Christ and allow ourselves to learn and lean on him, watch as God teaches you the secret of contentment. Watch as he teaches you these things, oftentimes, in fact, almost every time, in the midst of really difficult situations, in the midst of trials and troubles and tribulations. Point number two, okay? Point number one, the secret of contentment is learned. Point number two, the secret of contentment is not about what you want. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a verse that we love. This is certainly one of the most famous and recognizable verses. Uh, we see it a lot of times in people's Instagram bios or tattooed on them. Ooh, scary. Um, it's a tattoo joke, okay? You can, you can laugh. Okay, all right. Um, you know, people, are, sometimes people read that verse and they're like, oh, you know, I can, I can work so hard. I can buy that Lamborghini through Christ who strengthens me because he wants me to have it. Or, you know, I can, I can get that job because, you know, God, God wants me to be happy and, and through Christ, like, I can do anything I want. Or, you know, and obviously nobody says this, but I can jump over Niagara Falls and, you know, I can do it because Christ gives me strength and I can do all things. Obviously, these are some very extreme ways to look at this verse, but I think a lot of times this is how we look at it. 
But this is a very, very low view of this verse. This is an inaccurate view of what Paul means. We love to have, you know, dream these big dreams for ourselves, and then we say, okay, now, God, take this dream that I've dreamt up for myself. Please bless this and sanctify it. I really want it. That might sound spiritual, but in reality, it's still just us trying to find our own contentment and then slapping a Jesus sticker on it. God's not our genie. Jesus is not our drive-through. You, you can't pull up to McDeuteronomy's and order off of the menu and, and you know, say, God, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want, now give it to me. There's not even a point system, okay? Like, you can't scan the app and, you know, sorry. Your ideas of what will satisfy you will, will never work. Your feelings, your striving, your stuff, it's always gonna let you down. But Aaron, can I, I, does that mean I can't dream big dreams? Yes, you can. You can dream dreams, and God places massive dreams on our hearts, and he wants to bless them. God wants you to dream big and have faith. He, he gives dreams, but they're dreams that promote the kingdom of God. They're dreams that are not simply about you getting your own way. They're dreams that are for the flourishing of, of, of humanity around you and the world around us. And find, it's, not, it's not about finding, you know, dreaming these dreams that are just about us being content or finding contentment in feelings or belongings. I think some of you here have, have these massive dreams in your heart that God has given you, but you've neglected to pursue them. So let me encourage you today, that thing that you've had at the back of your mind that you've been like, oh, I don't know if I should do this, take God at his word, trust him. God is leading you, so trust him as he's leading you. But here's the deal is when we have little, we often trust ourselves to figure the way out. On the opposite end, if we have lots, how often do we find safety in our abundance? Certainly in those moments where, you know, we don't have to trust for much, we don't have to have much faith, our prayer life becomes more anemic, that's for sure. But both of these solutions, whether we have little and we trust in ourselves or whether we have lots and we trust in our stuff, they always fall short. They'll, they'll, they'll never measure up for us. Our stuff will never be good enough. We'll always want the next best thing. We'll always want the next rescue hero, the next iPhone, you know, whatever it is. It's never good enough. Our own solutions to find satisfaction and dig ourselves out always fall short. So we need a better solution. And Paul has learned it and he shares it with us. This verse is, is, is Philippians 4.13. It's not a get out of jail free card to just get out whatever we want. It's an anthem. It's a reminder. It's a proclamation that no matter the state of my life, I'm gonna make it through with Christ. <clears throat> I'm really thankful for my dad. He's been such a gift to our family. He's a man that I've looked up to my entire life. He's the dad that you know, can do, fix anything. You can always count on him, he's always there for us. And almost three years ago, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. And that rocked our family, as you can imagine. My dad endured various rounds of chemotherapy and at the end of the day had a, had a stem cell transplant that eradicated the cancer but left him with scarred lungs uh, and in need of supplemental oxygen. And, and that's just the reality of my dad's life right now. So I'm obviously grateful that my dad is alive and there's so much to praise God for, so many moments along the way of just right time, right place, people that had an encouraging word or just incredible doctors and um, medical staff um, along the way. Like we're so grateful. 
But so many times, I've still had the thought in my head of, God, like, what did my dad do to deserve this? How, how could this happen? Like, what, like, here's my dad who's been <clears throat> an upstanding man of God who's loved his family, loved his wife, and then he gets this, like, that feels like a really lame transaction. And now, obviously, it, it, it's, it's not correlated, like, the, it's just the reality of living in a broken world. Sickness happens, um, people, people get sick. It, it, it just, it happens, and so we have to just learn to not be okay with it, but, but learn to trust God in the midst of it. The amazing thing about my dad is that not once over the last few years has my dad ever complained about a situation. Not once have I ever heard my dad be like, oh, woe is me. Every step of the way, every appointment, every test, every procedure was merely another step forward for my dad. My, my, before he retired, my dad was a mechanical engineer and he's got the knack and he always, you know, loved a project. So, you know, did a lot of renovations in, in our family home growing up and always had something that he was doing, something that he was building. And, and I realized for myself one day, I was like, oh, this is just my dad's next project. He's just following the steps along the way. I asked my dad a while ago, I said, dad, have you ever been discouraged throughout this journey? Because I wanted to know, I was like, There's, like, how is this guy like just going, like, and, and not, not, not complaining or anything. And my dad said, well, discouraged isn't the right word. I've been disappointed, and I am disappointed, but I'm not discouraged because I know who my God is. My dad said, this isn't plan A, but plan B is still pretty good. So I'm learning to trust God in this, but as I can see, my dad has already learned the secret of contentment. And in spite of the situation, I, and I know my dad would love to not be in, this, in the situation that he's in right now, but his focus is on Christ. And he finds his contentment in Christ. My dad isn't Jesus, my dad's not God. He's just like us, and he's learned this secret. He's learned the secret of contentment. So you might be thinking, well, I could never learn that. I could never do that. But my dad is an example of somebody that has. So if my dad could learn it, then you can too. What Paul is trying to say in Philippians 4.13 is we can do all things. We can encounter any struggle, whether we have much or we have little, whether I'm sick, whether I'm healthy, I can be content in any situation because my level of contentment was never supposed to be found in any of that. It was always meant to be found in Christ and his strength for us. This is the nature of the gospel. Not that we are so capable on our own to accept Jesus, but that God in his infinite love and mercy came down to our level to do all the heavy lifting for us, to save us from evil, that we might know him and love him and become more like him. The reason you are so capable of contentment at all times today is because Christ is capable for you. This is how wild this scripture is. This is how insane this scripture is that even when life isn't that good for us, even when life isn't that hot for us, Jesus dares to be all that we need. Amen. It was never about you being talented enough, enough. It was never about you being savvy enough or, or business smart enough. It was never about you being pretty enough or being good looking enough to get through life. It's always been about Jesus being all of those things for you. 
and you being willing to walk through it all knowing that he's with you. So yes, you can do it. You can get through it, but it's because of Christ. Number three, the secret of contentment is found in Jesus. You may know the song, All You Need Is Love. The Beatles were close, but it's not just love. Christ is all you need. The game changer is Christ within you, working in you. Before we ever look to a circumstance, a job, a feeling, a substance, or another human being for contentment, God says, look at me. Are you weary, tired, heavy burdened? Look to me. I will give you rest. I will show you a better way to live. This is what Christ says. Your problems won't necessarily go away, but Jesus promises to be with you and show you how to be content in the midst of it. Jesus says, I'll show you my power at work in and through you. I'll teach you the secret of contentment. Even David in the Old Testament, he learned this secret. Philippians 20, or not Philippians, Psalms 23, four, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David knew it was possible to make it through okay. He knew. We're, we're told in the scripture that, that God will correct you and guide you, you know, his shepherd, staff, and rod. These, these course corrections, these, these, these corrections in our lives, they're not supposed to be scary. They're good for us because we know he's taking us the right way. We, we know that we have, we have to allow him to guide us and show us the way. This is the whole scope of, of, of the letter to the, Philipp, the Philippians that we need Christ to lead us. We need Christ to guide us. We need him to correct us and show us his ways. Christ is walking with us and it's in his presence that we find contentment. Paul is challenging the, the, the Philippians and by extension us to find complete fulfillment in Jesus. And so Philippians 4 verse 19, Paul says, in this same God, who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Can Jesus really supply all my needs? Yes, he can. Are you tired of life and thirsty for something more? Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you a drink. Are you lonely? Jesus calls you his friend. Are you overwhelmed with tasks and feeling burnt out by life? Well, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. We can always be fully content because God's riches never run out. I think sometimes we're like, okay, like, yeah, I'll trust you, God. But like at some point, there's gotta be a catch. No, God's riches never run out. God, he is a never-ending supply. It keeps coming. The fulfillment keeps coming. The contentment keeps coming. The satisfaction keeps coming. The quenching of our thirst keeps coming. If Christ is our source, we will always have all that we need. God's riches never run out, so you can trust in him today. If you need an unofficial fourth takeaway today, it's that the secret of contentment will never run out. So this is gonna take time, right? This is a learned thing. This is gonna take time. We won't always get it right. We have to learn this. It's part of the process in following Christ. We have to strip our old ways of living in favor of Christ's way. We have to strip off our old ways of looking for contentment and joy in favor of looking to Christ. We strip off our truth. Well, this is what I want and will give me the feeling I'm looking for. I know it. It's too hard. You know, if it's too hard or it doesn't make sense to me, I just don't do it, right? I'm just living how God made me, right? You know what Jesus said to his followers all the time? Drop everything and follow me. Don't look back. 
die to yourself. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. That's a hard verse. That's a visceral verse. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus wants you to know today that he loves you as you are, but in order to follow him, you must be fully, fully willing to become more like him. We can no longer expect that drug or, or, or that person or that job or, or that idea of how much money we need or, or things to supply our contentment. There will never be a, a good enough high. There will never be a perfect person that will always come through for you. There's no perfect job. There's not enough money in the world to satisfy the longing of your soul. Jesus speaks as one who knows what it means to have much and to have little. Or sorry, Paul speaks. Paul speaks as one who knows what it, what it means to have much and to have little. And his experience has taught him one thing. There's only one place where all the desires and longings of our hearts will find rest and fulfillment. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you would never have to struggle again or that you would always live a perfect and comfortable life or that you'd get everything that you want. Jesus didn't show up so that, that we would be happy. He died so that you wouldn't have to go through things alone. And, and I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. Jesus showed up to redeem all things and so that we would know that when the brokenness of life creeps in, that we can run to Christ. When sickness creeps in, whether it's you or someone you love, you can run to Christ. If death creeps into your life, you can run to Christ. If there's pain, you can run to Christ. If there's unanswered prayer that you're still praying for, keep running to Christ, run to him. Jesus shows up and changes where contentment is found. It's not the absence of struggle or pain or loss or chaos. Christ's sufficient contentment doesn't mean you're content with just whatever happens. It means you're fully content in Jesus. Contentment in Christ is not situational, it's eternal. Believe it or not, if you're not driving a Tesla, God still loves you, okay? If you just got that diagnosis, God still loves you. If your bank account is running pretty close to empty or it is empty, God still loves you. If your marriage is broken, God still cares, even if neither of you do. Jesus still cares. These things are not reasons to run from Jesus. They are reasons to run to Jesus. If your relationship with Jesus is just predicated on good things that happen, then you've cheapened the work of the cross. We choose to attach ourselves to Christ every day, not because he grants our every request, but because he is the answer to our every request. So friend, let me ask you today, what are you finding your contentment in today? What would it take for you to shift your desire for contentment to Christ? Are you willing to shift the focus of your contentment onto Jesus? Are you willing to drop the things from your life that you need to? Are you willing to die to yourself in the areas that God is calling you to die to yourself? The secret is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. It's always been him. The secret is available to all. It's a, it's a not so secret secret. I love that Paul calls it a secret. It's, it's really not a secret, it's Jesus. And today he invites you to take him up on his offer. He invites you into a life of true contentment and joy, a true contentment and joy that never runs out. A life full of purpose, a life that endeavors to be more like Jesus and share about that real hope and new life and lasting purpose with others that they might know him too. He went to the cross so that he could be your hero. 
he went to the cross so that no one would have to be left behind. He is the great rescue hero. And he's the main character in your story, not you. So let Christ be what he does best and be the true hero of your story. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. I wanna take a quick moment right now and just give you an opportunity to invite him into your life so that he can take over your life and show you a better way. If that's you, I just invite you just real quick, just raise a hand, just raise a hand. If that's you, you wanna invite Jesus into your life just as a way of just confirming what's going on on the inside. Thank you, yeah. I wanna take a moment to pray for us all today. I wonder if we could all stand together. Father, I thank you for my friends today that have, that have made a choice to say, God, I'm done with trying to find contentment my own way. I'm done with trying to figure this out my own way. God, I, I wanna give my life to you. I want you to take over my life. I want you to take the steering wheel and I want you to drive and I'm gonna trust you with where we're going. God, I, I pray and I thank you so much for, for these new decisions to follow you, Jesus. This is the best decision that we can ever make the best decision that we can ever make because it's a decision that'll never let us down. You'll never let us down, Jesus. You're always for us. You're always with us. You'll always love us. And God, you'll always correct us and keep showing us a better way too. So God, I pray blessing upon my friends that have made that decision for the first time. And I pray for the rest of us in this room today that God, even, even if we've been following you for years and years and years and years, but we've just never got this idea that, oh man, it's in Christ alone that I find my contentment. I can do all things through Christ, but it's because it's Christ that strengthens me, not because I'm good enough on my own. So God, I pray for encouragement. I pray for encouragement for all of us. This is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for every single person in this room, that we would look to you, Jesus, for every need, every single situation that happens in our lives, that we would look to you, that we would find our contentment in you, that we would find our rest in you, and that in you, we would have all that we need. We give you praise, Jesus, in your name. Amen, amen.